Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself. And I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Hello, and welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today, well, we were just talking about it, and I would say this is going to be a little strange for probably both of us. Kara is my producer and also my sister. And so this is not normal, but we're going to have fun with it. So Kara, why don't you tell us what you do and who you are? Tell us a little bit about your, our childhood (laughs) and um, we'll see where, where we go with this. I am a co-founder in Believe Crew. I am a coach in Believe Crew. I am a person in the world. I don't know beyond that. (laughs) Sometimes I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. So what else did you ask? I'll just add that Kara, I mean, one of the things that's different between the two of us is Kara is much more, let's say, factual and information based, uh, more analytical. I'm a lot more emotional. Not that you can't be emotional, but Facts aren't as important to me. Let's say that. <laughs> um, so, and we were six years apart growing up. So, right. um, I was like the older, disconnected, older brother, maybe. Yeah, we there's enough years that um, we didn't know each other very well, and there's a sibling between us, and we just didn't need to know each other in some ways. Yeah. And then you add on top of that um, family dynamics of disconnection, really. Mm -hmm. We weren't made to know each other in some ways. So we've gotten to know each other in adulthood more. Mm -hmm. That's been good. But yes, also true. I am much more driven by logic than you are. Mm -hmm. And based most of my choices in life on logic as I see it. Yep. Yeah, so what I would say for myself growing up is that we were sheltered from a lot of things, or at least there was an attempt to shelter us from many things. I think the desire behind that was to keep us safe and to maybe keep our parents safe in their view. So what was your experience growing up and what are the things that kind of made you into who you are today? That a big question. That is a big question. <laughs> my, I think what I can look back now and see is my experience growing up is lonely. That's hard to say because we still have a parent who is alive and possibly listening to this. And yeah, it's it's the truth. And it's because of that, I want to be very clear in saying I understand very deeply that our parents did absolutely the best they could with Mm -hmm. what they knew and had available to them. I don't doubt that, and I do not blame them. Yeah. 
to a certain extent, I have the same word that I would use now that I've done a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they were too. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like that was the result they were looking for. We can't do any more than we know ourselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we kind of were all lonely, lonely together to a certain extent. Right. I mean, I, you know, there's obviously a lot of things that could be worse. Right. Absolutely, I, I don't yeah. think we're complaining about any of those things. And certain, I don't think we're complaining, but there was a, a certain loneliness together aspect of life of growing That's up. That's exactly how I've described it. Well, actually, I described that in a different part of my life, but it applied to that too. Realizing that most of my life I've been alone with other people. And so that comes from like my own inability to connect to people for reasons that I'm yet discovering, yeah. but are rooted in trauma yeah. and protection as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can decide where, what you want to go into there. Um, but I mean, that's what this season is about is trauma. Certainly we're, we're coming from, you're not, you, as far as I know, you weren't an addict, um, but there we're studying trauma the trauma behind the addiction mm-hmm. for a reason. Um, addiction being one of the results that can happen, but other results can obviously happen from trauma, uh, including lack of connection. I believe that the only reason I wasn't maybe your definition, textbook definition of an addict is because of my personality. I do see that my coping mechanisms for dealing with life, it still could very easily fall into the category of addiction. Yeah. Um, For someone else that was more emotional. Yeah. It would have been at that level or, or you're saying sometimes it, you could even qualify it as that. Sometimes it was. Yeah. And yet like, because it didn't overtake my life. Yeah. And have effects in the same way that addiction tends to. Yeah. Maybe largely because it's just me that it was affecting, but yeah. it is absolutely it's social media, a big one, binge watching TV shows. Honestly, I've used porn as well. Like those are all things that were part of my coping in mm-hmm. trying to exist in a world where I didn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I had blocked it off. Trying yeah. to figure it out is really what I was doing. And yeah. coping or not deal with it at all. So the only reason I haven't totally said that I have an addiction, perhaps it's a little bit of denial or had an addiction, but looking at it objectively, I think in large part, it's just my personality that saved me Yeah. from going all in. Is that something that logical people have where they, something is a problem for too long and then they're just like, okay, I'm done with that. You think that that's a thing? So my, when I say my personality, I don't mean like my C brain, I guess, necessarily like logic. It, I would say it's more the Enneagram one in me, that part of me where I I cannot be wrong. Like that is painful. Oh, yeah. I think that that fear of being wrong, like that core fear of being wrong, thinking about it today, I see that as playing a part is why I never fully went down that road where it didn't take over my life entirely. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I could always see that 
I would pull myself back from the edge before it got that far. Since we're on the subject of feeling wrong or being wrong, when it came to, as you worked through understanding more about the trauma, what did you find that you felt about yourself, like with regards to being wrong? Were the other people wrong or were you? Hmm. Trauma, especially in sexual abuse, trauma mm-hmm. victims take it on themselves as they are wrong. And I absolutely did mm-hmm. that as well. I think that applies perhaps yeah. to any abuse. Like I'm the one that's wrong, especially in childhood. Um, it's easier to take it on as we are the person that's wrong somehow than it is especially to blame someone who has authority over us or appears to have authority over us yeah. that makes as sense. the ones who are doing wrong. It threatens our security to do that. What did that affect for you? Did that affect other areas of your life? It, it affected every area of my life. What do you notice with people that you work with today that have had some level of trauma that about how they think about themselves? Like, what does healing look like? It's learning that you're okay as you are and you're enough as you are. It looks like learning that Mm -hmm. you don't have to do everything and there's nothing that you have to prove to be okay. It's learning that you were never the problem. It looks like realizing that those people that harmed you, their choices weren't because of you. Yeah. It, they were because of them. Yeah. The people that harmed you had their own stuff. Yeah. When you can understand and feel it, feel in yourself and help your younger self feel that that choice, that thing that happened to me wasn't because of anything about me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't cause it. It doesn't mean anything about me. There's some healing that can happen because of that. Yeah. So you have a com- you have a conversation with your younger self, or have had conversations with your younger self? Yeah, I've had many conversations with my younger self. We um, are in contact quite frequently mm-hmm. because healing doesn't stop. Yeah. Like you can say you're healed, and yet still be healing somehow. Yeah. And from our perspective, we don't really know. I think there are so many things that I have healed that I could say are healed. And yet I am very much in the middle of healing. Yeah. Maybe that's connected to judgment. Like maybe the idea that we want to be completely healed is connected to the fact that we want to be okay. So just mm-hmm. acknowledging that choosing healing is like a, it's like a way of life. It's a way of living. It's a, a road that you s- select. And mm-hmm. it's not where you know the destination. And it's not really to, maybe you could say it's about going to a destination, but it's not one that you control or that you know the timing on. Yeah. We like absolutes. We, we, uh, we like to know things, especially some of us more than others. But I think as a human existence, we like to know and understand what's going on mm-hmm. and where we're headed. And that's not faith yeah and i think that's the hardest part about healing in a way that god is leading you through yeah and i think there's many ways to heal and guides many guides to healing god has been my main guide in healing and there have been other people along the way that he has given me and because god has led the way faith is the way the vehicle you might say, 
And that means I often don't have a clue. And that's possibly the hardest part. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, but I mean, if we did know everything, it'd probably be harder. It might stop us from going forward sometimes. Yeah. Because our ego then comes into play. It's in play anyways, because we... Because it exists. (laughs) No. (laughs) But like it would, it would potentially stop us from moving forward when it knows for certain it doesn't know what that's like. Yeah then no thank you well let's back up a little bit and just think about if i'm wanting to learn how to heal or i've worked through something and realized there is some healing that needs to happen what is kind of some of the core things that you think about when you're starting with someone like the core understandings that you have about a person that you work with to to guide them down that road at the beginning the core thing that I know about someone or feel about someone when they are looking for healing and they come to me for help is that I believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. But no matter who you are, where you are, or what you've experienced, healing is possible and there's absolutely hope. And that a person, every person has good, is good. Yeah. If someone can feel that you believe that about them, it allows them to access that in themselves. Yeah. So the other parts of us, the ways we've dealt with whatever has happened, the trauma that's happened, there's some normal things that happen because of trauma, and yet we're all so individual that it's very specific at the same time. Like you and I grew up in the same household, and how we reacted to the same things is very different. Yeah. That's because of our personalities, our yeah. personal makeup. Even while that's true, there are reactions and the way people feel or think or what they do in life that I can assure them and other people can assure them, science can assure them, this is normal because of what you've gone through. Yeah. This is okay mm-hmm. for now and part of learning and we don't need to judge it. That's huge. I remember this last summer that I didn't want to do hypnotherapy because I didn't really want to know what was there. But when I realized that it would take me a long time to figure out everything that was there and that the hard way would be doing it all using life experience to find the things that I was needing help with, then I was more excited to figure it out. And so regardless of your approach, we can either process the trauma throughout our entire life by acting out the ways that we are coping to make up for the fact that we were harmed and that we have these opinions about ourselves that are not true, or we could start working on it. And it might be, I mean, you, you, it's going to be painful to a certain extent to mm-hmm. discover things, but I think both of us could say it's better. <laughs> it, it's worth it's it. It's different, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd ask anyone who's like in your shoes where you were last summer or in my shoes. I remember that experience when like I had already begun the work, but it was very close to me. Like I did it. I'll deal with my emotions. I will journal. I'll do the digging. I was very controlled and protective of it. And it was I I did work that way. And I remember coming to the point where I finally was willing to let someone else in and help me. And that was scary. 
Absolutely. And yet I would ask anyone in that position before you become willing to consider what are you protecting? Who are you protecting by not letting someone help you, not seeking help? It's really defensive that we don't let help in. Yeah. Is that coming from uh, self-protection? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it comes from the function of when we are the ones that feel like we are wrong and bad and we've taken upon this shame upon ourselves for what someone else did to us, we we have a really hard time letting anybody in, especially to like see those parts of us or hmm. be close to that part of us, to discover that. I mean, my experience was I don't actually remember mm-hmm. any of what happened to me, yeah. thankfully. Thankfully? You're thankful you don't remember? I am thankful because I see other people who have remembered mm-hmm. it, who do remember it. And that conscious memory is hard to live with. Yeah. Mm. I could feel when it started to come up. Yeah. I could absolutely feel how it affected me. I could feel that I had stored it in my body. Yeah. And I can feel and understand that it changed and warped the way I think and operated in the world. There's no doubt that it was true, that multiple things happened in life Mm -hmm. for me. And I can be thankful for the fact that I don't remember it because I know it'd be even that much harder for me to move beyond. Yeah. And... So like I, at the same time, I didn't have this conscious memory because my protective mechanisms are so great. My mind was like, nope, you don't need to remember that. You'll just put it over there on a shelf and maybe in a cabinet, you know, never to be picked up again. And that's a function of how we survive Mm -hmm. sometimes. And yet I knew, like I understood that something wasn't okay. Yeah. And I wondered, and that's why on some level I couldn't go there for a long time. Yeah. And until it was time. Yep. I'm hearing a lot of things that are similar, you know, from a trauma standpoint and a addiction standpoint. Personally, they're related. I haven't talked to an addict yet who doesn't have some type of trauma. So I'm assuming that my theory is pretty close. I mean, both can give you shame. I don't know if in all cases, if that's true. Maybe if you're older, maybe it'd be more anger, you know, like, and that's part of it too, but. Well, I mean, we're talking when it's me and we're talking about the sexual trauma of it. There were other traumas. Like the, mm-hmm. I had lots of trauma. If you really want to get into it, <laughs> like life is traumatic, yeah. right? Uh, society, our culture yeah. is traumatic. In a lot of ways, there's no one who can get out of having trauma. There's what people call big T trauma is what I had and a lot of people have. And maybe most addicts have experience. But that's not to say that if you don't remember or don't know that you've had this huge physical traumatic event happen to you that you didn't experience trauma. Trauma isn't about what happens. It's about how I deal with it. Mm -hmm. 
what is my response to it? So you take, if I would have been able to speak to someone and say, this is going on, how would that have changed how traumatic that was in my life? It still would have been hard, Mm -hmm. but the effect of it would have been different. Yeah, It still would have even been classified for as trauma, but the effect long-term and how I reacted, it was a different reaction. Yeah. Well, it could have been better. It could have been worse because if the person didn't, if you actually said it and then no one believed you or, you know. And I don't know, maybe I, you know, like there is, we can't go down the what if, but that's, that's just the basis of there are awful things that happen. And yet it's how they are internalized. Yeah. And it's how I, as my personality and my makeup, take that in and respond to it. I'll say when we're not talking about physical traumatic things, that's absolute trauma. But there are environments you can be in that are traumatic to some people and not to others. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense because of all the different types of people we, we are in the world. I think that's important for us to understand because someone saying something to you, simple, like that's the smallest thing maybe we could come up with. Someone says something to you and because of who you are and what you lead with emotional, it might feel, and maybe we won't even take it as far as trauma, but it it might feel a lot more hurtful to you Mm -hmm. as versus I'm over here and I'm like, what is your problem? Yeah. That, he just, he just, this is what he meant. And you felt it and I heard it. Yeah. And so that is just an example. Oh, you give me some things to think about. I, uh, obviously, I, you know, I've been fortunate to go on some of this road with you, not on the detail side of it. Cause I think your support system and, but you've been supporting me and I've been working with you for a while. I feel like we have a shared desire to impact people in a positive way just really believing like you said earlier in who they are and what the possibility is what do you what is your intention what are you excited about for the future when it comes to your own path or what you what you want to help other people with I think that path is still being revealed Mm -hmm. to me. And so because I don't fully see it and I'm me, it's hard to be excited about it. (laughs) Um, And yet, like I do, I do have excitement in a lot of things. Like I love and believe in what we're doing with Believe Crew and there is like no more rewarding thing that I've done in my life. And you know, that's a big thing to say yeah. than helping people one-on-one in coaching. It's so obvious to me that it's God mm-hmm. working through me to help impact someone in such a positive way that it's, it's the most rewarding thing I've done. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to be able to do that. I'm excited to keep on doing that wherever God takes me in that or onto something else. (laughs) That is exciting. I know better now after 
life changes in the last few years, I know better than to think that this is it. This yeah. is where I am for the rest of my life. God doesn't necessarily just plop us one place, but wants us to keep growing too. And that sometimes means moving on to different things. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like some wisdom there. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing about coaching. It is, you know, it is a calling to a certain extent, at least for the people that I know. And what I'm hearing from you throughout the podcast is drama is a thing. A lot of people have it. We run from it sometimes. We bury it sometimes. We ignore it sometimes. Yet every time in everyone we've met, it's, it's beneficial to process it, to deal with it. And there's a lot of episodes, other episodes on this podcast that we're going to talk with people that haven't dealt with it. Yeah. The past is alive in us and is brought up before us as we are actively trying to move into the future. It's brought up again and again until we learn what we need to learn from it, process what we need to process, understand what we need to understand. And then it can be laid to rest in a way like forgiveness for ourselves and for others involved heals it resolves it allows us to truly move forward it can be a long time before we're willing to do that and having a safe space Mm -hmm. to do that a safe environment in life safe people around you being safe for yourself yeah and maybe that starts with finding someone who helps you see that yeah and getting getting connected to the things that we're tolerating or ignoring in our own in our own being mm-hmm. enough to where we're willing to make the choices that we need to make in that process yeah. and all of those choices are are what they are we we don't know like timing like we were talking about or or a lot about the choices. We just know what we need to do now. Yeah. I mean, I could be like, why didn't I figure this out when I was 18? Why didn't I deal with this when I was in my twenties? Why, you know, like what, why, why, why we can spend a lot of time doing that. And yeah, I can also look back now for Mariam and see the, the beauty of it all, see God's hand in it all and his patience and gentleness in leading me through it. There's no need to also, because we tend to maybe go into judgment of ourselves, like we're still here and we haven't dealt with this, especially if we're maybe have always been aware of it. Mm-hmm. Like, but there's no need. We are all on our own path. And when it's right, it's right. You'll be able to deal with it when you're ready to deal with it. Yeah. So if someone hears your voice and wants to work through that, how would they get a hold of you? You can find me at www.believecrew.com. All right. We will put links in show notes and on social media posts and all the good things. Yeah. That's where you can find me. Yeah. And now we're going to, she can leave this part in or leave it or take it out because she's the producer. But (laughs) um, everything that uh, is on here, she will edit it. And she, she gets to, she has any, the only person I've ever been interviewed that can cut out whatever she wants in her story, in her own story. And, uh, part of why I can agree to do podcasts. <laughs> All right. 
Well, thank you very much, Kara, for sharing, and we'll hope to have you back someday. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.